all the like oh, I do hard work I should be rewarded for it and sometimes that can really trip us up because to move into a supervisory position or a management position it's not about doing good work of what you're doing at the individual level like it's a whole new role this is Chan with the plan the podcast a podcast providing career advice and easy actual steps for frustrated professionals helping you overcome career challenges so you stop feeling confused and defeated and start feeling focused and confident in order to excel in your career I'm your host, Max Chan. Now let's dive into the episode. Hey, Liz, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Why don't you uh, tell my audience a little bit about yourself in regards to like how you help people with what you do? Sure. Yeah. So my name is Liz St. Jean, and I run a website and programming called The Mint Ambition. And so a lot of the work I do is with mid-career professionals. Often they're self-identifying as sensitive in different ways. So either quiet, introverted, or HSP or highly sensitive people. And they are, they're at that place in their career where they're wanting to grow, wanting to advance. A lot of times they're dreaming of rising towards executive level and either some experience or sometimes imposter syndrome can kind of get in their heads and they're just they're looking for that the leadership skills and the motivation and the support especially support networks small group networks to to help rise and to help you know achieve that dream and doing it especially this is my thing is doing it with more joy having a joyful career less stress let's reduce those stress factors and a lot of impact so i work with a lot of people who want to they want to rise to make meaningful impact less so about you know chasing the the promotion. It's more about impact and making a big difference in the world and in their organizations. So how did you uh, get into this type of work? Yeah, it's an interesting story. So it actually, uh, it all started with a, a time where I wanted to throw my computer out the window. So I had, I had an overflowing email box and I was just struggling with my emails and someone suggested, they suggested a way of dealing with email called a 4D framework. And that just kind of took me down this path of looking at all these productivity tools, which led to all of the work around mindset and emotional intelligence. This was, I don't want to age myself too much, but this was back before emotional intelligence was as big. Like now it's a common phrase. At that point, I had never heard the phrase, never came across in my life. I have an econ background. Like you don't, we didn't talk about emotions and econ at that period, economics. And it really just opened my eyes to different ways we could show up. And I just really got into coaching and one thing led to another. And I really found how much I loved creating spaces for people to grow and to support them and to give them kind of this nurturing environment to really start believing in themselves to then go back out into their organizations and take off. Awesome. And speaking of like overcoming obstacles, the reason why I reached out to you and have you on my podcast is how to help professionals cope with gut-wrenching news. So I'm in the career space. And as you are aware, there's been a lot of layoffs, especially in the tech industry. Twitter laid off, I think a couple of weeks ago, about half the staff because like Elon Musk took over and then Meta recently laid off about 11,000 people. So a lot of people are laid off. And how it worked for Amanda, from what I've heard, is there was an announcement that layoffs will be happening and people didn't know if it was going to be them. So they were, some didn't, couldn't sleep at last the night before. They were like checking their emails constantly. So it was very nervous, right? Very nerve wracking. And then unfortunately, some of them were selected to get laid off. So one of the, so I wanted to um, have you on this podcast just to help my listeners who are facing various career hurdles, such as layoffs, getting 
not getting the promotion or someone that has less tenure getting the promotion above you. So just talking about the common gut-wrenching news that people face in their career and how uh, you can cope with them so then you can come back stronger. So let's start off with the layoff because that's the biggest thing in the news right now. So how would someone cope with that type of gut-wrenching news? Yeah, so I have a... I kind of a simple set of three questions that I use that I think can work for any of those situations. But one of the things I always like to say is that, or like to share is that we need to kind of set our foundation. So like the very first thing when we get hit with the news, gut-wrenching news, yes, like layoffs, the someone else got a promotion. One, one example I often hear of is people get promotions. They didn't even know the promotion was possible and someone else gets it. Like that is, can be so gut-wrenching. And there's all sorts of other situations. And we we want to be kind to ourselves first. So that's the foundation piece is like being kind to ourselves, giving yourself that space and the grace and the compassion to essentially like feel the feels because we are going to have a lot of emotional response to that. So to be able to kind of deal with the, all the thoughts that are coming up and like get to a more powerful place, we first need to make sure that we've worked through those really those really difficult emotions. And so some ways of doing that are you might talk with a trusted friend or mentor, but this is also a space where perhaps a coach could help. But especially if you do have access to a to a counselor or a therapeutic space, that can also be very helpful. So whatever is going to help us get to that place where you know we've processed the feelings, we've processed the emotions, and we can come to a place where we're now, okay, now you know, I've processed those emotions and now I'm really ready to to show up in a more powerful place. And I think especially on, so to your question about the layoffs, that's probably especially important because we're going to be, there's going to be so much happening emotionally. So not just like, not just our thoughts, which I'm going to be coming back to, but emotionally, especially physically, there's going to be so much going on. So really identifying what's going to help you get to that place that you can, you feel like you're ready to show up more powerfully. The other piece, too, is that sometimes for a lot of people, even if you don't have a place to talk about it, even just being able to process it, for some people, it's journaling. And I know that comes up a lot, right? Being able to journal and write it down. I will share just for my myself, the way my brain works. I actually, even as a coach, I don't actually journal that much. My brain just doesn't process things that way. So just want to offer and share, even going out for walks where you are really processing as opposed to um like spiraling or catastrophizing, but as much as you can process what's going on and really work through it, finding a way or a space to do that is really important. So, Yeah, for sure. In terms of what you said about going for walks, right? I think we're always so connected. We're looking at social media all the time. For example, LinkedIn, oh, I got a new job, right? And then like comparing yourself to others with like Instagram, TikTok. So it is very draining for sure. So do you recommend like when you get that devastating news to like turn off all like communication and like go for a while, like really clear your mind and don't think about like anything and be in the present moment? That can be so helpful. And there's sort of two ways. It's a kind of a chicken and egg a little bit. I was just actually talking to a client about this where the act of doing it can help get you to that place, right? Like going for the walk. I love what you said there about, you know, clearing off the electronics, kind of getting yourself off social media. Um, if you have access to somewhere that's either either actually like full on nature, like a forest, that can be wonderful. But even if not getting somewhere where there's greenery, there's a lot of research and data now around the mind body connection when it comes to nature that we really get to a place of grounding. So that could be really important and valuable. So doing that, like I was saying, the chicken and the egg, so doing that can be helpful. They, 
the egg part of it, it's a little bit more, <laughs> a little bit more like, as one of my clients put it, like matrixy, where we're kind of like controlling our own minds, which is that you almost decide to get to that place by going. You're like, I am going to process. I'm going to get to a calmer place in my body by going there. So it's rather than expecting the going there to get you to that place, if that makes sense, it's kind of like you're choosing to get there by doing that thing. So whichever way gets you there, turning off the distractions, getting out for a walk, and especially getting into nature can be so, so, so valuable. Oh, for sure. And then you talked about like therapeutic, right? Earlier on? Yeah. So how about like a support network? Do you think that's good to leverage when you have or received devastating news? Yeah. And this is where having a that support network, a trusted network, and especially if you do have people that you can really talk to that are going to give you that space to process. Sometimes we find ourselves in situations where it's like, call it a co-venting is a phrase sometimes that comes up where, you know, you vent about something and then someone else vents and it kind of spirals and it's, it's sometimes it's less productive. And so it's kind of recognizing who is it that you can go to where when you bring up whatever's happening, you receive this news, they're either they're providing what you need, whether you know, a lot of times we need a nurturing space, you know, that warm, supportive, nurturing space, who can provide that to you? And is it a peer? Is it a friend? Is it I think I mentioned like, you know, trusted mentors, if you do have a coach or access to that support group or a peer group where you can go and you can be really be listened to and be heard. A lot of what I do is in small groups, because I what I have noticed is that it's, it is helpful to be one-on-one, but sometimes going into a very small group that's trusted and people are really supporting you, it just, it feels really good. And sometimes we need that and it's okay to need that and to look for that and to look for that nurturing supportive space. So yes, absolutely having that support network that you can talk to. One of the questions I want to ask in terms of like the venting part, right? Sometimes people just want to vent, but they don't really want a solution at that time, right? But people seem to want to butt in and give suggestions. So what's your thoughts on that in, in regards to like, when's a good time to just vent and listen, but don't really add your two cents? And when's the time to actually provide a suggestion? Oh, that's a great question. Yeah. It's like if you're on the other side of it, you mean, right? If yeah, you're, yeah. if someone's sort of venting. So there's a couple, so I have different minds of this or different thoughts on this because we can, like any person, like any human can have a different hat when they're talking to someone. So they can be that, you know, BF who's there and just like, you know, when they just really need to vent and they're not really looking for solutions, they just need someone to be their best friend and support them and saying, no, yeah, this is a horrible situation. This sucks. It's not fair, right? We need that. And sometimes we can be more of a mentor or we can be an advisor or we can be a coach. In this case, I'm using the term coaching as in that someone's not bringing you a solution, they're helping you find your solution, or they can be a sponsor or an advocate even. So you can be all those things. And it really is a skill set if for you for whoever's listening, if you have someone who's venting to really recognize to practice recognizing what the other person needs. Sometimes you can ask them, you can just sort of you can just flat out ask them, you know, what would be most helpful right now? Like, you know, which you do you need your best friend to just listen and you want me to be here? You know, do you want to work on some solutions? Do you want to do you are you looking for advice? Sometimes we can just ask that question to find out. And other times you might need to use a bit more of your spidey senses and kind of recognize, you know, use some of that emotional intelligence to recognize what the other person might be looking for. Because one of the things, especially on advice, we all humans love to give advice. We all love to do it. And one of the challenges with advice is that most of the time we're giving advice 
from our experience and our lens and our life and our personality and how we would approach things. And that may or may not be helpful for the other person because they are, they're coming at the same problem from a different life experience, you know, different lived experiences. They ha- might have different personalities, different ways of approaching it. So that's one reason that advice isn't, not that it's bad, but it's not always the most helpful. The other reason is that it's been, there's some really interesting studies around this that the human brain, if let's say someone was giving me advice, I might kind of nod and be like, wow, that's really great advice. But because I'm taking it in, it's like a passive way. I'm taking it in passively. I'm less likely to do it, even if I think it's really great advice. Versus if I, in my own brain, come up with a solution, I'm much more likely to actually do it. It's like the brain's almost more committed to doing it because it came up with it itself. So yeah, so it's, but it can be helpful to give advice if the other person's looking for it. So I don't want to say never give advice, but sometimes it can be really helpful to create a space where other people can come up with their own advice, so to speak, come up with their own solutions. Yeah, you make a good point, right? In terms of you're more likely to implement different solutions if you come up with it yourself compared to your friend or whoever is giving you the advice, right? So like a perfect example, my fr- I started my building my personal brand on LinkedIn, right? It was just written text, but my friend like encouraged me to do video. You got to do video to help you stand out, right? Like people gloss over a written text, but you're not really resonating with your audience. So I kept procrastinating. I kept pushing it off. Now, like I think almost two years later, now I'm doing video, right? And so we both arrived at the same conclusion. I needed to do video, but since it came from him, I wasn't that bought into it yet. So I just said, okay, that's a good idea. Maybe I'll have time when I do it. Now it's like, okay, I think I have to do video. So it's a, ver- a perfect example of what you said in regards to you yourself have to buy into the idea for you to actually take action, not just someone giving you a suggestion where you think it's okay and you might have time to do it when you do. Yeah, totally. And sometimes it's, I like to use the analogy sometimes of a triathlon, you know, so triathlon, that's where you do it. Is, I can't write, I don't remember the order. I've never done one, but it's swimming and running and biking, right? It's these three different activities. And sometimes people are trying to give you tips on the biking when you're in the middle of swimming. And it's just like the timing might not even be there too. So and people love to give advice and they're wanting, they're genuinely wanting to help. It's, oh, well, actually I'll offer this too. This is what I took in. So what, like I mentioned, I, I'm a mom and And so when you become a parent, you get all kinds of advice. There's lots of advice. People love to give you advice on parenting. And in the parenting community, there's actually a lot of pushback. Oh, don't give me advice. And the way I took it and what I'd offer is that whenever someone gave me advice, I took it as a tool to put in my toolkit. So it's not necessarily that I put, you know, rejected it, but I also didn't take it on myself or assume that I had to use it because it was someone else's piece of advice, but I put it in my toolkit. And then I had this little, you know, parenting toolkit beside me, but so mentally at least that I could pull out different techniques or different ideas when it worked for me, when it worked for my family, when it worked for the situation that I was facing. For sure. And speaking of time, right? They say time heals like all wounds. For example, like if you got rejected during the job search and then you finally get a job eight months later the rejections that you had initially it doesn't really matter doesn't really affect you as much now as time passes on is there a way to speed up that healing process with your strategies or you think like at the end of the day i think doing the right things is good but time does help as well 
Yeah. So there's a couple of things. Actually, this will be a good point. I'll come to my questions in a second here. There was, I saw a graphic recently and it was actually talking about grief, but I remember seeing it and thinking, oh, this is really interesting for the career space or professional, these, you know, gut-wrenching news space would be as well. And it was a graphic around a picture of three jars and inside the jar was a ball. And it was talking about the grief, but I think in this case, it gets a similar emotion, right? When we get hit with something. And in the first graphic, the jar, like the ball almost fills the jar, Right. And it's just like, it's so much. It's so there. It's, we're very vulnerable to it. We feel very raw in it. And then with the next two pictures, you see the jar growing bigger. And so it's not necessarily even with the ball getting smaller, but that you, that we also grow. And so as we grow, we can hold on to it. So I'm going to share some questions that maybe we can also help with the ball itself and making that or that making the ball grow smaller. But I think it's also a piece around recognizing that we grow bigger as well and that we can take on some of these, you know, bumps or what feels like it might even feel like more than a bump, right? Depending what happens, especially around the layoffs, right? It's not even just like a bump in a road, but, you know, feeling like we've just fallen into more of a hole in the road that just opened up down below us. But I really appreciated that, that idea of like, okay, as we go, we're going to grow and we're more, we're either more capable of taking them on, but we also grow past that hurt. So I thought I'd share that with you. For sure. So speaking of questions, like, what are those uh, three questions as part of your framework to handle that gut-wrenching news? So this is now the the main point of our conversation is your three-question framework, how you use to help your clients overcome gut-wrenching news. Yeah. So here are the so these are the three questions. I'll share them and I'll kind of explain why we why I'm using them. So the very first question to ask yourself is, what am I making this mean? Okay. What am I making this mean? And the reason we ask that question is because a lot of times when we get hit with news and the reason it really hits us hard, especially the piece around like other people getting promoted or things that we're seeing other people achieve on LinkedIn is that we start making it mean a lot of things and we make it, 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 we make it mean something that's really impacting us. Like I'm not good enough or I'll never get that job or everyone's doing so much better than myself. Like there's, we can, we, you know, we, it's very natural. It's very human to kind of tell ourselves things that aren't really so nice. I always tell people about with my, one of my best friends, we talk about this, about our brain can be, sometimes our brain's not so nice to us and <laughs> autocorrect often turns it to Brian. So we've nicknamed our, our brains as Brian and sometimes Brian can be kind of a jerk to us. So what am I making it mean is really a place for you to acknowledge, see what is that message that's happening that's making it being all those extra feels that I was talking about earlier, all the feels. But again, this is why that foundational piece is so important, like coming to a place where you can actually ask yourself that question is so important. So you ask yourself that first, you know, what am I making this mean? And then to move to a more powerful place, the second question you want to ask is what else could I make this mean? Okay, what else could I make this mean? And what you want to do with that question is really push yourself to see it, the situation in different, from different perspectives and in different lights. And to your point earlier about, you know, time heals all wounds, like this will be easier kind of the further away you are from it when you're not so raw. But this is where you can start coming up with some really powerful interpretations about what it could mean right? Okay, this is, you know, I was in a real comfort zone in my career. And this is like, so an example, this is the kick in the pants I needed to really find the job that's going to challenge me and help me grow. Maybe it means that but coming up with different perspectives on the same situation. 
And sometimes you can, like, if you're really able to get to a place, you can just like take out a blank piece of paper and just write down literally anything, everything that comes to mind. Like I said, if you're like me, maybe it's about going on a walk, but really thinking through like all the different ways you can make it mean, recognizing when Brian, you know, your brain is trying to make it more negative and really try to find what are some other powerful ways of looking at it. And then what you do with that, you take it and you look at all these different options, right? And you start to realize like, wow, there's a lot of different ways that I can look at the same situation. And then you ask yourself, you know, which meaning is most powerful for me right now? Okay. Or a variation of it is which meaning is most useful to me right now? And then you kind of realize like, okay, I actually get to pick. I can actually choose which meaning. and you know, sometimes we're in a place where we're still feeling very raw, we're still feeling we're still feeling the feels. And maybe you give yourself that grace and compassion to realize like, okay, in this case, I that meaning like the only meaning I'm really able to choose is this one that is hard. Okay, but you're a little bit more conscious of it. You're a bit more conscious. You realize like, okay, no, there are all these different possible meetings. And maybe tomorrow I can get there. Maybe then maybe next week I can get there. And you can give yourself that grace and compassion. Like you don't have to choose some sort of Pollyanna, everything is wonderful interpretation. That's not the purpose of it, but it's choosing which one is most powerful for you right now or which one is the most useful for you, you know, right now in this moment. Okay. So just to summarize the three questions, what am I making it mean? What else can I make it mean? And then which one is more important? Yeah, exactly. That's it. And then what for that third one, whichever variation is most helpful. So it could be, yeah, which meaning is most powerful, which meaning, like you said, which meaning is more important, which meaning is most useful. I know one client would use which meaning is most productive. And they're like, okay, I want to be productive and I want to shift and be more productive. So, but it's really about seeing that you have choice and then making that choice and doing it. Sometimes we say from a more conscious place, instead of just being more reactive and unconsciously reacting to things, this is a way of consciously choosing how to show up and how to respond to a situation. So if you don't mind, I would like to actually walk through one of the career scenarios that I mentioned. So let's again, go back to the layoff portion. So I got laid off from like, let's say meta. So what am I making it mean right now? Okay, I've lost my income. Yeah, everybody will immediately go back to the, I lost my income, right? I don't know how to pay my mortgage or the bills. It just came out of nowhere, right? So that's the biggest thing right there. And then they're out of a job. So most people, when they get the layoff news, they'll react in terms of the consequences that way, where now they have no employment and they have no income. Obviously, they have severance, but again, they know it's short term. Overall, the main thing in terms of like what they're making mean right then and there is they have no income and they're out of a job. Yeah, for sure. And that's where, you know, we're looking at the, I guess, like the impact and the consequences, right? And so it, and I will sort of fast forward, right? Like, if that is going to be the most productive, and like, okay, that is going to help you get to a place, either finding a new job, like you might land and stay with that meaning, right? Like staying with that, because, but it's a matter of figuring out, okay, is that the most productive way of making this mean? And again, especially with medics, I think that happened at time of recording, at least. I think that was just two days ago. So if someone like you literally just found it out, like this exercise might be too soon. So I also want to make sure to give people permission. If you're having like internal resistance and you're like, there's no other way to think about this, 
that is totally fine. We, you might find like later on, you can come back to this exercise. But like, but let's say you're in a place like, no, you know, that meaning hasn't been as helpful. And I really would love to come at it from a more powerful place. So you recognize, okay, this is what I've been making it mean. And then some other examples I'll share, because I've heard and seen in different places, other meanings I've seen come up, people making it mean like, I'm never going to find another job. Or I wasn't good enough. Like, why did not get laid off? Why was I laid off? Right. There's lots of those other kind of meanings. So we can get those out. And it is helpful to get it kind of get it out of your head. You know, it's, you know, Harry Potter, when they have the wand, it kind of takes things out of the person's head. It's a little bit like that, like getting the stuff out of our heads, either onto paper or at least kind of out into the universe. So that is absolutely some of the meanings you can make it. And then there's other meanings. Maybe we can brainstorm some other meanings here. Right. Like you can. I think I was mentioning that earlier, you can make it mean, okay, this, this means that I can now go find a job that's even better suited for me. Okay. That might be one meaning. Okay. I don't know. What do you think, Max? What are some other, what are some other meanings we can give it? Yeah. Maybe you wanted to like, there's a passion project that you wanted to really start, or you were just working on it on the side. Maybe this is, since you have all this free time now, because I know people I met that don't just work 40 hours, probably work a lot more, but now they have all that free time. Maybe they can devote all that energy into creating, improving and increasing the growth of that passion project that they have. Another example is maybe they didn't have a lot of work-life balance. So maybe they can spend the next few months taking some more time with their family, right? So don't, maybe improve the family life because if they're always working, they might not have that much of the family time that they wanted. So now they can devote a bit of time there to improve their mental health for themselves and their family. So those are a couple of things I came up with off the cuff. Yeah, for sure. Those are great ones. And kind of sim- very similar to your to that second one is that like, oh, this is an unplanned sabbatical. I can use this as an unplanned sabbatical. Or I, it, especially for me, I work with a lot of people who are mid-career who I, what I hear from a lot of times is that they're, they've kind of gone so far and they actually want to change careers, but they're so committed. They, they don't. So this could be a, oh, wow, this is my, again, the kick in the pants piece. We're like, oh, here's the kick in the pants to change career, to either reskill, upskill, or change direction. Here's this almost like an opportunity. But again, especially for layoffs is a heavy one, right? Like, especially for layoffs, that can be hard. So for anyone listening, that is a hard jump to go from like getting laid off to jumping and seeing it as an opportunity. But if you can get there, that could be a more powerful way of seeing it. Just to take a step back before we go to the third question, you said give your permission to absorb the information. Like you get laid off one day, you don't jump into like this three question parent right away. Sometimes they do need some time to grieve, right? So what's uh, what's the difference between like giving yourself enough time to grieve and then just procrastinating on like taking action for your next step? That's a fantastic question. And of course, I think it'd probably be obvious for a lot of people. It will depend on the person and their personality, right? Some Someone might be able to jump right to this like the next day. Someone else, like it might take a lot. It might take longer. It might, you know, take days or weeks. I mean, perhaps even months. I don't work as much in this space. So I, you know, I don't want to presuppose how long it might take someone. I think this is where, so for anyone listening, if you're kind of feeling like maybe you kind of feel a bit on the teetering edge or, you know, you're still feeling that that rawness, the emotion of that news, especially again on a layoff, but you kind of feel yourself teetering, you know, that is probably a sign that you're ready and, you know, think, kind of think of, okay, what would, what could give you that little nudge towards that, towards the other side of being more powerful, showing up more intentionally, showing up more consciously. And 
sometimes maybe like these three questions might help you get there. The that processing, may, it could be that you're just taking that time to not just process, but pro, it's almost like process with intention. Like I was saying before about you know going out with the intention of processing. This might be the same way of like, what am I going to do like intentionally to shift myself into that place where I want to get. Um, but I would, that's what I would think. I would just kind of recognize within yourself if you kind of feel, like that's the image that comes to mind. Someone like kind of teetering. You do still feel that rawness and that emotion, but you feel that you're teetering towards being more powerful, being more intentional and conscious. All right. And then let's jump back to the third question. What do you want it to mean more to you, right? So it seems like when you get the bad news, you tend to be very reactive in terms of what it means right now, right? And then your second question is more of a proactive approach. So what can I make it mean to make it more positive? And then the third, as time passes, you tend to focus more on the second question, the answers to the second question compared to the first. Yeah. And that third question, what you take is what meaning is most useful, which meaning is more powerful, and then being able to choose. And so one thing I want to point out, actually, I'll kind of pull on something we talked about earlier, is that especially if you are just hit with a layoff and all you can think is, you know, like, I don't have that income. I don't, you know, the, the finances for my family, like that might be all that's coming up for you right now. And that is totally okay. And what you might recognize is that like that might be, and that might actually be motivating and powerful because it's going to get you working on your resume, get you out the door, get you networking, Right. But I want, I would encourage everyone to also consider like coming back to some of these questions and coming back to, because there, that can be very draining on us to be operating from that kind of energy level that, that it's kind of like the fear motivation, you know, that, that tightness. I don't know if anyone's feeling like it feels tight to operate from that place and we can, and it can be motivating, but it will also be draining over time. So when we come back to like which meaning is most powerful right now, the, like the right now is in there very deliberately to recognize that it can change and it can change over time. So right now in the beginning might be motivating to come from that place of the fear, to put it frankly, right? That fear of the income, you know, maybe come back to it in a few days or in a couple of weeks to say, okay, now maybe I'm in a place where I've had some more time to process and now maybe a different way of coming at it would be more powerful for me right now. For sure. And let's go back to, let's go to another relevant example for my audience. I, I think we talked about this offline in regards to getting passed up for a promotion or getting, or not getting that raise, right? So that's one of the other gut-wrenching news. So you have one where you get an unexpected layoff and then you other, have another one that you're not moving up the career ladder that you want to. Either or for both scenarios, there is obstacle in your way when it comes to progressing in your career. So how would someone handle that type of gut-wrenching news where you worked all year, the, your end performance review comes up and you don't get the promotion or there was a promotion available, but they gave it to someone else, maybe someone newer or someone that you actually supervised. Yeah. Yeah. This is a lot more common. So one thing I always like to tell, so if this has ever happened to anyone who's listening, not necessarily that it helps, but it maybe it does help to know this is a lot more common than we think. We just don't hear about it as a lot. People don't really feel very powerful or comfortable talking about it. So if it has happened to you, it is it believe me, it has happened a lot more commonly than we think. And so the three questions would still stand, you know, what am I making this mean? What else could I make it mean? And which meaning is most powerful? The twist that I would put in for this situation that can be interesting if you are comfortable or courageous enough to do is sometimes we need to get a little bit more information. 
Okay. So sometimes what I see is when people get hit with this news, the what am I making this mean? Or even like right to question two, what else can I make it mean? Ends up being very much around, you know, I'm not appreciated. I'm not valued. My manager doesn't appreciate me. There's a lot of around that. And sometimes we can, we it can be very helpful to, again, be courageous with this, but to go and ask some questions and to find out a bit more. Sometimes it's as simple as our manager didn't actually realize we wanted to go into management. And so the decision was made quite quickly and they were they had no idea that we even were thinking about it. So that can be actually be having the conversation to find out why you weren't considered can spur that the realization that you do want to be considered. Sometimes it's going to raise things that you're going to realize that you're maybe seen in a certain way. And that can be helpful knowledge to to realize, you know, is this the right place for me? Or is there some other way that is there some, again, with the kind of the skill side of it, like some leadership skills that I could work on? Or is there they, they seem to see things very differently than I do. Those are really important pieces of information to have if we're in a situation where we got passed up for a promotion. And I might have mentioned this already. But it, there's that piece too around like, maybe you come to realization that this might not be the right place for me if they're, you know, they see me in a certain way, and I don't see it that way. And, you know, maybe this is that moment of realization that that I should be looking for another place or another position. You actually make a good point about the, they might not know that you wanted to get promoted because one of the things that the, one of the misconceptions is that hard work pays off. Right. But yeah, you might be working hard, but if you're not vocal in terms of like what you want to do in your career, they might assume that you're happy where you are. And then they give someone else who's more vocal. Right. So the one thing I want to emphasize for people listening is you have to let people know what you want in your career because people aren't mind readers and they're busy with their own portfolio. Yeah. And to that point too, I hear that as well. The like, oh, I do hard work. I should be rewarded for it. And sometimes that can really trip us up because especially when it comes to promotions and especially if you go from an individual contributor or subject matter expert to a first level promotion, that kind of what am I making this mean can really trip us up because to move into a supervisory position or a management position, it's not about doing good work of what you're doing at the individual level. Like it's a whole new role. Like that is a completely new job. Essentially, you're actually going into a whole new career stream at that point, because supervising people isn't the same as doing the work that those people do. So sometimes if we're kind of like heads down trying to do our work and like, well, I do this really good work, you're, you might actually be signaling that you don't want to move up right? That you're really focused on doing good work at your level and you're really proud of the work you do. If we haven't, if we haven't had that conversation with our bosses, they might just assume that you do not want to move up because, well, look at this person. They're like, they seem very happy with what they're doing. They do great work. Why would I put them into a management position if, when they don't seem to want to go into that position? Yeah, absolutely. And then the last part is like, if let's say you got laid off, you take some time off and then you're ready for the job search and you're getting a lot of constant rejections, right? It goes back to what you said before about, am I able to find another job? So like they might have that brand name and then when they start applying, they're not getting any responses, then now they're getting worried. So how would that three question framework work in this situation? Yeah. So the same questions you could still work through, like those are kind of like base questions that can work in every situation. The piece I would add on for someone who's going through job search and they're dealing with rejections, there's kind of, there's two types of that, right? I mean, there's probably more, but let's look at two types. One is that you've, you're applying to like 
20 jobs a day and you're not hearing back, you're being ghosted or you're getting rejected. And then the other one is that you've applied to a position, you've got like your, you know, your eye on the prize, you've applied to this like perfect job, absolutely perfect. And then you got rejected from it. And it's people quite often fall into one or the other. So version number one, where you're applying to lots and lots and you're being rejected, the piece I would want to look at is that is taking a look at our job application process. And are we, you know, it's kind of like throwing spaghetti at the wall if we're applying to that many and not hearing back. So quite often it's a matter of kind of taking that step back. And this is actually where I think the questions can be helpful because we can almost trip ourselves up, you know, if we apply and we're not and we're not getting the result we want, and we can keep applying and it's almost like tighter and tighter and tighter trying to get that job. And so this process, what I really want, if you're in that, if you feel like you're in that situation, is really take a step back, almost like take a breath, like a mental breath, even well, even physical breath can help too. Just okay, what else can I make this mean? And some of the what else like can I make this mean might be that maybe I'm not, maybe I haven't tailored my resume to situations. Maybe there's some networking that needs to happen. Maybe you know you can start exploring what are some of the other meanings you can give to the situation and take that step back. And you know maybe I haven't really identified what lights me up. And because I haven't identified what lights me up, I'm just trying to get a job. And that is sort of like seeping in through the application process. Or maybe maybe there's some unconscious bias happening here. And what am I going to do about that? Right? Like there's lots of different meanings we can give to it. So really take a deep breath, take that step back. So we're not getting so getting really tight in the process. Now, in the second situation, this is, and I do see this where people have identified their dream job or their dream company. And it's like they, like all your hopes and dreams have been kind of poured into this one application. And then it just feels crushing to not get it. And especially if you've gone through a process where, you know, we see a lot of these processes where you have to do like four plus interviews. I saw recently someone did was it 11 or 12? I think they got to interview number 12 or so and interview 12. I'm not making this up. I saw their interview 12 was going out to a cocktail event with the staff to make sure they were a good cultural fit. It's like, I mean, you can't make this stuff up at some point about what the companies are putting people through to get the job. And so are some of the default meanings that we end up having are like, I put so much into this and I don't, I just don't have it in me anymore to like, that was too much. I can't go for another one. I'm too tired. It's too exhausting. And I don't know if anyone listening feels like, but even like, as I'm saying it, I'm feeling tired. Like I'm, you know, like the thinking we're tired makes us feel tired almost. It's a little bit, it's, our, our, again, Brian's a funny creature. Our brain's funny creature. It's the mind body connection is really fascinating. So if that's your situation and I, and again, it's all about choosing. So if you're okay with feeling that way, you know, that I give you full permission, but if we want to feel more powerful, we can come up with some other meanings that we can attach to it and figure out which one of those is more powerful. Be like, okay, that one example might be for the, what else can I make this mean? Be like, I learned a tremendous amount about interviewing in that 12 interview process. I really refined my interviewing skills that I made it all the way to interview 12. I made it through 12 rounds of interviews. I should actually be quite proud of myself. I'm going to be, you know, when I go up for that job that only has four interviews, I'm going to nail it because I've now done 12 interviews, right? So that might be one way of doing it. Or, um, 
you know, if it was only one position, maybe like, okay, maybe I should, I could be looking for multiple positions at the same time so that I don't have all my eggs in that one basket. And, and again, it all comes back to then figuring out, okay, which one's more powerful? How do I want to feel? Which of those meanings is going to get me feeling in a way that I'm going to show up powerfully? I'm going to show up in a way that really, really serves me. That's going to be the most productive. That's going to be most useful. And again, Max, in your words, like it's going to be most important to me right now. I want to pivot this conversation to you personally. How have, how did you create this three question framework and then how did you use it for your own personal life? Yeah. So it's, I'm sure many other coaches have something similar, like have, because a big piece of coaching or is about like, kind of like taking a step back, taking a deep breath and seeing things from different perspectives. So for me, I think just because my brain, so a little bit on the neurodivergent side and my brain just likes things to be structured and simple. So I liked having kind of three questions. And for me, it was coming up, it was coming up in a different, a few different ways, but often for me, it ends up coming up to do with interpersonal relationships. And when something, doesn't quite go the way I expect, or it feels like I'm having a conflict. It's because it, I noticed over the years, it's so easy, both for me personally, but I think is probably a human tendency. It's very easy to either catastrophize, you know, like our brain goes to catastrophes or to interpret things from a more negative place. So I'm what's called high self monitor, which means that I'm very attuned. I, so I spend a, my I spend a lot of brain power being aware of how people might see me, and also especially my impact on people? Am I having a positive impact? Because I do like to have positive impact in the world. So I pay attention to that. But then that also creates stories. It can create a lot of stories in my mind. And so for me, what I found, found just found it really helpful to kind of recognize that there's a lot of different stories I can tell myself here. And, you know, barring going and like getting the direct evidence of it, I can also just pick the story that feels most powerful, that is most useful. And especially, so in this case, like for my experience was to do more with interpersonal relationships. I also found it really helpful to, to remember, to tell myself like, well, you know, which story would I rather be wrong about or which story would I rather be right about? And it really helped ground me in terms of figuring out, okay, you know, if I tell myself the story that this person doesn't like me or that they're, that they've, they don't respect me. Like that doesn't rather be, I'd rather be wrong and assume that someone does respect me and does like me because I show up more powerfully. And I'd rather have, I'd rather, the phrasing is called assume positive intent. So I'd rather assume that other people have a positive intent towards me. And that is more powerful. That is more useful. It can be more productive by showing up in that way. Great. And again, I really appreciate the time, Liz, for you sharing the three-question framework to help my audience overcome gut-wrenching news. And I always ask this question to all my guests at the end of our conversation. So as you know, my podcast is about helping professionals overcome career challenges to get their career to the next level. So for you, what, has, what was one big career challenge that you had to overcome to get to where you are today? Oh, that's a good one. I think... For me, and actually it is related to this conversation, is being able to shift out of taking things very personally and making it making 
you know, making things mean something negative about me. My Brian was very good at seeing things from that negative perspective and making it mean that, you know, either I'm not good enough or I don't know enough or, you know, I don't belong. I don't have enough qualifications. I'm not as good. I'm not as tall or as attractive or whatever it was that Brian was telling me about. And I mean, it wasn't an, it wasn't overnight, but it, but being able to shift to a place of being okay with me, of being like, I, it's the, is that Popeye? I'm forgetting now the, I am who I am. Kind of like, I am who I am. That's okay. And I'm growing, you know, I'm constantly growing. I'm constantly, I'm changing in that growth perspective, but I'm also okay with who I am and I can be who I am and show up that way and not worry about not being someone else. Great. Again, I appreciate the time, Liz. So how can people contact you, reach out to you to learn more about what you do and how you can help them? Sure. Yeah. So there's a few different ways. One, I also have a podcast if anyone wants to listen. It's called Unruly Leadership with a, spelled with, a, with an E, unruly with an E. So ignore the rules, leadership. Or you can come find me on LinkedIn. I At the time of recording, at least, I'm the only Liz St. Jean on LinkedIn. So you can come find me there. And my website is themintambition.com. Come on over. I've got different free resources on my website as well about advancing your career with more joy, less stress, and a whole lot of impact. Great. Thanks, Liz, again. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me here. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this content valuable, here's three ways I can help you achieve your career goals for free. First, subscribe to this podcast as I post two episodes a week. Number two, leave a five-star review as this helps build the credibility of the show so we can gain access to more influential people to interview and bring those lessons to you to help elevate your career. And number three, connect with me on social media. There's a link in the show notes for you to click on that compiles all my active social media accounts, making it easy for you to find me and connect with me. Thank you again for listening. And until next time, Thank you.